I just thought I'd point out the obvious, I am wearing glasses. Some of the people leaving the 8.30 service would call it say, saying, see you later, Nubex, because I obviously look a little bit different, but it's great to see you. You guys are way better looking than they said you were. <laughs> Some of you are like, hey. I'm just joking, no one really, anyway. Uh, <laughs> can I just say, I just want us to give a big hand, and just not, not just, not a hand, but I want us to say thank you to our worship team. Come on, can we thank them? Because I don't think we appreciate really what they do when they come. they come. They come super early, but they also give of who they are when they get up there. And I tell you what, the worship times that we've been having in our services all throughout the day hasn't just been nice singing. It hasn't just been, you know, well put together music. It's, it's, there's a heart in it that I think we don't appreciate or realize is actually there. There is a, there is a, a stage full, not of performers, but of worshipers. And it, I just, I don't know. Every time they're up here, I'm like, this is awesome. They just have such a beautiful heart and it's to lead you into a place where you can connect with God. And so we're just thankful for you. Anybody in our worship team, thank you so much. And our tech guys and everybody, thank you for everything you do. We are, we're part two of our series today called Anatomy. And Steve brought a brilliant message last week about the power of the tongue. And we have had so much feedback on that that message and just um, just how practical and helpful it's been to everybody. And I'm going to be speaking today about a part of the anatomy that's not so much a, a, an organ, but more a function of our anatomy. And it's a function of our anatomy that actually sustains our life and it gives us life. But it's, but it's something that I think sometimes we forget to do. And it's something that we have to learn how to do again at times. I want to talk to you about breath this morning. Breath, and you can get out your notes and you can follow along. All the scriptures that you'll need will be in your notes and you can write down the fabulous, fabulous points that I'm going to give to you today. And because uh, breathing, you'd think, would be pretty straightforward, right? I mean, you've been doing it for your entire life. You'd think it would be easy. Well, last year I did a half marathon. I ran a half marathon. I've done a few of them. I'm not, I wouldn't say I was a runner, but I like to torture myself every now and then and did a half marathon. Now I trained for it a little bit, not as much as I probably should have. And I had a bit of a goal in mind. So I set out. I knew that if I just stuck at it for two hours, I'd be able to reach my goal. I might hurt on the other side, but I'd get there and I'd, be, I'd still be alive by the end of it, right? Well, Kilometer three, I get this sharp, sharp pain, kind of like a stitch right up under my rib on one side. And I'm like, oh, that feels a bit weird, but must just be a stitch. So I do a few stretches to try and get rid of it and think it should pass. Usually the stitch comes and goes within, a, you know, about 10 minutes and, and it's gone and you'll get another one somewhere else. You can guarantee it. But kilometer 17 rolled round and I still had this sharp pain in the same place. That puppy was not going anywhere. It was the worst two hours of my life. I was in a world of pain. Well, following that, a few weeks later, I get back to running again and three kilometers in, sure enough, same place, same pain. I'm like, that's weird. Stitch doesn't usually repeat itself in the same place every single time. 
So then I, uh, I start to get it, while, not while I'm running, but just while I'm like moving things around. You know, like stacking chairs and things like that. I start to get this pain, same place, same pain. So I think I should go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor just to make sure it's not a hernia or gallstones or something like that. Had all the tests, had all the blood tests, had all the scans, all the ultrasounds. They came back, so I said, it's fine, nothing's wrong with you, you're A-OK. So I was like, okay, that's weird. Then one Sunday, third service, sitting on the front row doing nothing, and this pain is getting to me big time. I've got this really severe pain. Now, the good thing about one of our staff members is that she is an advanced paramedic. So I go to my personal paramedic, and I say to her, hey, Anna, what's going on? She took one look at me. She said, Bex, it's your diaphragm. You're not breathing properly. Not breathing properly? So I go to a doctor the next day. I'm like, she says it's my diaphragm. I'm not breathing properly. He's like, yeah, she's right. You're not breathing properly. It's your diaphragm. I'm like, honestly, not breathing properly. Who can't breathe properly? I've been breathing for 35 years. If anybody knows how to breathe properly, I think I, think I know how to breathe properly. I mean, honestly, who tells a person they're not breathing properly? But you'd think breathing would be pretty straightforward, right? But I've learned that while it sustains our lives, it's something that sometimes we forget to do or have to learn how to do again. For some of you here today, in your life, it can feel like you've had the breath knocked out of you. You know those times, don't you, when you do a belly flop at the wrong angle and you've the wind has just been taken out of you. You know those times where you get a ball to the gut in the wrong place? That hurts. The wind just goes from you. Some of you here today would look at your life and feel like you've had the breath knocked out of you. Like the wind's just gone from you. Like you can't quite draw a breath, whether it's loss, disappointment, discouragement. Maybe there's been a failure and you feel like you've just had the wind taken out of you. Some of you, you've just forgotten how to breathe. You've forgotten to take a breath. You're so busy and you're so preoccupied and you're so distracted that you go through part of your day and then go, oh, I think I've been holding my breath for the last 10 minutes. Some of you, you just struggle to catch your breath. For some of you, just to draw a breath is hard, whether it's anxiety or or a fear or worry, and just drawing a breath is a struggle. See, the first mention of this word breath in Scripture is in Genesis 1 verse 30. And then we stumble across it again in Genesis 2, 27, uh, 2 7. It's written in your notes. It says, Then the Lord formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man came, became a living being. If you're anything like me and you've got a sense of humor like mine, you would have given a little giggle then when you saw the word nostrils. I think it's funny that the Bible's got nostrils in it. Anyway. They breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a living being. When you look up that word breath that's used in that passage of Scripture, the original Hebrew of that word is the word neshema. And that word neshema is seen a number of times throughout Scripture. And it's seen not as breath, but it's the same word as the word spirit. We find it in Job 33 verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. 
And it would seem to me through all of the reading that I've done and all of the, 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 the time I've spent in the Word of God and all of the times I've looked this up, it would seem to me I've learned that this word breath and this word spirit is able to be used interchangeably. So for spirit, we might see breath, or for breath, we might see spirit. These two words are used interchangeably, and it would also seem that this word breath and this word spirit is seen in moments where God wants to speak of his creation. It would seem that you and me, man, woman, mankind, humans, are created with the very breath of God, the very spirit of God in us to give us life. And it's the very same spirit that hovered over all creation before any of it came to be. And it's the very same breath that gave life, the same spirit that gave life to all of creation. And it sustains you and me as we sit here today. And yet, life has happened And sometimes we go through seasons where that breath gets knocked out of us. And all of a sudden, we are no longer living with that spirit of God sustaining us anymore. What's happened is, is we've begun to live independent of the spirit of God in us. And my, what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about how we live 100% reliant, completely dependent on that Spirit of God in us. Not in our own strength, not in our own might, but in His power and His might. Because when we live independently of that Spirit that's breathed life into us, when we try and live our life outside of that place, it's so easy for the breath to get knocked out of us when we go through a season of loss or disappointment or failure, when we try and live our life independent of that spirit, it's so easy in the busy seasons to forget to stop and take a breath. When we try and live independent of that spirit, it's so easy for us to struggle to catch our breath when stress and worry overwhelm us. So how do we get our breath back? Well, how do we do it? in the physical. We go to a first aid class. What do they teach us to do to get the breath back into someone? CPR. CPR, right? So in the same way we do it in in the physical, I'm going to teach you that today. We're going to get our breath back through CPR. So what I want you to do is I want you to partner up with somebody and I want partner A to lie down on the ground. (laughs) Nah, just kidding. Some of you are looking worried. Some of you are moving in on the person next to you. Hey, no CPR in church, all right? Just hold back. I'm going to teach it to you, though, using CPR, because I want you to remember it. Number one, you can write this down, the C. How do we get our breath back? Number one, we connect. If we are going to live dependent on the Holy Spirit, we need to stay connected to Him. Today, in this time, in this era, we are so connected, aren't we? We are connected 24-7. I mean, it used to be that to get onto the internet, you had to be by a phone line. Well, that's not the case anymore, is it? You can be everywhere, every how, and you are connected. We're connected through a mobile phone. We can call at any time. We're connected through a text message, through an email. And if text messages weren't enough, we're connected through Messenger and WhatsApp and Telegram and 
all Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all of these things, like one wasn't enough. You have to be able to have multiple conversations with one person at the same time on different forums. Like it's crazy how connected we are and it can become problematic for a life that's determined to live connected to the Holy Spirit. I love and honor my husband, but he has some interesting habits. When we sit down in the evening to watch a television show, we'll put it on the main TV in the living room. But we have to keep our options open, people. There is sports on. So the rugby gets played on the laptop, right? So main thing on the TV, rugby on the laptop, But listen, it's not just rugby season, it's cricket season too. So the cricket goes onto the iPad at the same time. And you are not a man if you do not get stuck in a rabbit hole on YouTube watching people hurt themselves. I don't know, what is is it about guys that love to watch people hurt themselves? It's strange to me, but there he is. So we've got the TV, we've got the laptop, we've got the iPad, we've got the YouTube rabbit hole, and there's so much noise and so many messages. I'm becoming so distracted by what's going on. There are times when I have to get up and leave the room and go and watch the main thing that we sat down to watch in the first place in a different space. See, sometimes in order for you to disconnect from the distractions of this world, it takes a getting up and leaving the room in order to reconnect with the breath giver. Sometimes it means you have to leave the room. Jesus often left the room. The Bible calls it withdrawing. Talks about how he regularly withdrew to the wilderness to pray. It was a habit he had placed into his life. Why? So that he could disconnect with the world and connect with his life giver. Sometimes we have to get up and leave the room in order for us to disconnect from distraction and connect with the life breath giver. What does that mean for us in this day and age? It means switching off the phone. Like flight mode is a great wee trick you can put on your phone to stop yourself from being connected. It means getting up in the morning and checking in with God before we check in with the rest of the world. It means going and seeing what He's got to say for you before you go and see what Instagram or Facebook has got to say to you that day. If you want to get your breath back, you have to connect with the breath giver. Number one, connect. Number two, the P, write this down, prophesy. And for those of you who are new to church, this is your first Sunday. That sounds like a really odd word, doesn't it? But I'm going to help you understand what I mean by that now. In Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel paints a picture of a vision that God gave him. This was a picture that God gave him. And it says it like this. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit. This is what Ezekiel saw. He brought me out by his spirit and he set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry, it was full of bones He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. When the wind gets taken out of you, when the breath 
gets knocked out of you. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to see God's plans and his hope and his purposes through it. When all you see is looks like a valley of dry bones, when all you can see with your physical eye is disappointment and loss and discouragement, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to see past the valley of dry bones. But can I tell you, God gave, told Ezekiel to do something I believe every one of us needs to learn how to do in our lives. What did he tell Ezekiel to do? It says in verse 4, he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Church, when you can't see it, you've got to learn to speak it. When you can't see hope, you've got to prophesy hope over your circumstance. When you can't see life, when you can't see breath, you've got to begin to speak breath and life over the dry valleys and the dry bones in your life. When you can't see it, you've got to speak it. You've got to speak it. You will live. You will live. If you are a Christian who speaks in tongues, I cannot encourage you enough to speak in tongues daily. Tongues is a gift that edifies the Spirit. It's a gift that when we feel like the Spirit is diminishing, we begin to speak it. It begins to build the Spirit in us. It bypasses the head. It bypasses the emotions. It bypasses what we can see of our natural circumstance. It speaks from Spirit to Spirit, and it begins to build up what sometimes life and circumstance drain from us. When you can't see it, speak it. Do you remember when you were a child and you wanted something from your sibling? What would you do? You would go to your parent, maybe mum, and you would say, mum, Harry won't give me the remote. And what would mum say? Mum would say, you go and tell Harry that I said, right? Ho, 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 you've got some ammo now. So you march triumphantly back into that room and you say, Harry, mum said. (laughs) And you know you'll get in that remote. Why does that work? Well, it works. It works because when you step into the room and you begin to speak what the power and the authority mum or dad says in that house and you begin to say, mum said, what you're saying is mum, the power and authority is in agreement with what the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. And you know that if mum is in agreement, well then behavior needs to come into alignment. Otherwise there'll be trouble, right? Right? So when you walk, when you enter, back into the, the room of the circumstances of your life. I can't encourage you enough, church, to step into that room and say, God said, my Father said, come on, we've got to say, the Word of God said, because when we, 
When we enter into that room and we say the power and the authority in my life agrees with the word that's coming out of my mouth, when there is agreement, there has to become an alignment. Hopelessness has got to come into alignment when there is agreement with the word of God. It's got to come into alignment with hope. Brokenness under the agreement of the word of God has got to come into alignment with wholeness. Anxiety under the agreement with the Word of God has got to come into alignment with peace. You've got to prophesy to the breath. You will live. Number three. Number three, the R. The C is connect. The P is prophesy. And the R is reliance. Reliance. Write that down. Reliance. Eight years ago or so, Steve and I moved up to Whangarei to bring in our campus church. Uh, it was an independent Elam church who brought it in as a campus of our church up there. And uh, it was a difficult situation. The church wasn't in a great place. And it was a really tricky circumstance we were walking into. And we were pretty green. I mean, let's be honest, we'd only just graduated from being youth pastors. Like, we didn't know how to pastor grown-up people. Like it was different to us. And so this was a daunting experience. Now, on the night before our very first Sunday as the pastors, and we were still driving up and down at that point. We hadn't confirmed a house there or sorted our house down here. So we were driving up and down. So the night before, Steve gets up and preaches his first message as the pastor at this church. For the first time in 18 years, he has an asthma attack in the middle of the night. And he has to get up and drive himself to the A&E. They put him on a nebulizer. See, with his asthma, at that moment, his lungs couldn't get to full capacity. He couldn't draw a full breath. But with the help of the nebulizer, it's like it gave him extra capacity and his lungs were able to breathe properly again. And my question for you today is whose capacity are you living reliant on? Because as long as we are living reliant on our own capacity, our own strength, our own might, our own giftings, our own grace, we will always come up short and it will only take us so far. And I guarantee you, you will be left feeling tired and weary. That night, put him on the nebulizer and they also gave him a really high dosage of Finnegan. Now, for those of you who had kids Long ago, you'll know that Finnegan was that drug you could go to the chemist for and say, help, I'm taking my child on a long flight. I need something that's going to make them fall asleep. They're not allowed to sell that to us anymore. You guys had it good. I can't buy that for my kids before a long flight. But they gave him a high dose of Finnegan. And uh, Adrian had to drive us up there because we didn't trust that Steve was able to drive without falling asleep. When we got there, they looked at him and they said, Pastor Steve, you don't look so good. He said, I don't feel so good. Uh, they said, what do you need? He said, a triple shot coffee now. And then he got up, he had his coffee and he got up to preach his first message as a pastor of his church. Now, we knew in that moment more than ever before just how much we needed the Holy Spirit, just how much we needed to be fully reliant on God because there was no way we could do it on our own. His asthma attack was almost like a reminder to us of our own weakness. It was almost like a reminder to us of the limited capacity that we have as humans and a reminder that if we 
But we're to put our trust in God. It's Him or nothing. It's all God or it's all nothing. We needed Him then more than ever before. We knew that we needed to dig into the Word like we'd never done before. We knew that we needed to spend time in prayer like we'd never done before. We knew that we needed His presence like never before. We knew that every day, daily, we needed to say, God, fill me with Your Holy Spirit because I need You now more than I need my next breath. Church, when you live reliant on the Holy Spirit, we receive like a nebulizer. We receive an increase in capacity. All of a sudden, it's in His strength. It's in His might. It's in His grace. It's under His anointing and His abilities, not my own. If you want to get your breath back, we need to live fully reliant and dependent on Him. Worship team, would you come and join me now? Church, it's time to learn to breathe again. There's a third word in Scripture that sits alongside breath and spirit, and it's the word life. And you and I know that if we lose our breath altogether, we will also lose our life. And some of you have walked into this place today feeling so short of breath that you just feel like there's no life left in you. And our prayer is that as you enter into the presence of God, it's like you feel like you can breathe again. Can I tell you today that our God doesn't just wanna give you your breath back. He wants to give you your life back. And He wants to give it to you in abundance. I'd love, Steve's gonna come, and I'd love, though, before I hand back over to him, I'd love to pray over every one of you today. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you so much for your word today. And I thank you that you have breathed your spirit into us so that we don't have to rely on ourselves, but we can tackle every circumstance every situation, every daunting, overwhelming moment, we can tackle it with You. And Father, even though our capacity only takes us so far, we understand, Lord, that we need You now more than ever. God, I pray over the next week, Lord, that every person in this room would take a step closer toward You to connect with You. And I pray that You would help us get that courage and that zeal inside of us, that faith that that speaks over our lives, Father God. Lord, bring to mind the Word, Lord, as You have spoken it over our circumstances, the promises and the hope and the love and the purpose that You have got in Your Word for every single one of us. Lord, I pray that as we do, Lord, that our circumstance would come into alignment with the agreement of Your Word. And God, I pray that You would help every single one of us, to begin to get our breath back, that we would not feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of our life, but Lord, we would begin to walk in step with your Holy Spirit and your rhythm of grace, Father, that it wouldn't be weighty and it wouldn't be hard, but Lord, it would be like a breath of fresh air. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, I'd love to pray one more prayer with you this morning. If, can I invite you just once again to close your eyes and bow your heads just, just for a moment, just so you could take one little moment just with you and God. 
And I'd love to, before we finish our service, to extend an invitation to you today. If you're here in this room and maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you're here today, you've come for whatever reason. I don't know your story. I don't know what brought you into church today, but maybe you're here and you're like, Steve, I don't even know him. And you've heard about a God who loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And maybe today, this is your day to start a journey with Him, to start a journey trusting your life into His hands. Well, maybe you're here today and you've been in church a long time. You've been coming and sitting in church. You know church, you've been here, you've done that. But if you're honest, you say, man, my life is not right with God. You're not right with Him today. Maybe you have never fully stepped over that line to say, you know what, I'm gonna trust Him with my life. But what I'd love to do is pray a very simple prayer with you today and invite you to pray it with me. The truth is, friends, that God loves you. He does. He really does. He made you. He made you for a purpose. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God's got a plan for your life. But we all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. And that sin, it separates us from God, creates a divide between us and Him. But God, in His grace, sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I would do for our sin. And He bridged the gap. And He extends to every one of us today, not judgment or condemnation for our sin. He extends to you grace, forgiveness for all of your wrong, your past, your guilt, your shame, forgiven. He gives you a brand new start, a brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God makes you a brand new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the plans that God has for you. Like I said, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God's got a plan for your life. There's purpose to your existence and God wants to use you to change this world. And there's a great promise for you as well. It's called eternity in heaven. This life is not the end of the story. God is preparing eternity for you, friend. And if you're here today and you don't know Him, but you want to right now, or maybe you're honest and say, I'm far from God. I need to get right with Him today. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'm gonna pray it out loud, but you don't have to do that. You can just pray it with me in your heart. As I pray it, you join along with me, you repeat it after me, repeat it in your heart, but you make it your prayer. This is your moment, this is your day. That's you, just say these words. Say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know that I've sinned. I know I've messed up, but I do believe that Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old life and I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me of all my wrongs. I ask you to come in, be the Lord of my life today. Take control, make me brand new. I choose from this day to live for you. In Jesus' name, just with your eyes still closed and head bowed. If you prayed that prayer right now, can I just say I'm so proud of you. I think it's the most wonderful thing you could ever do in your whole life is pray that prayer. And I would love to invite you and encourage you to take one more little step of faith. What, what I'm gonna do is if you prayed that prayer today, either for the very first time or you're coming back to God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, what I would love for you to do is if you prayed that prayer, I want you to put your hand up nice and high. Now, I'm not doing that to embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out or stand you up or bring you to the front, nothing like that. All I will do is I will see your hand, I'll acknowledge you, and you can put your hand straight back down. I want you to take one little step of faith today. Just be bold and be brave. On the count of three, one, two, three. Hands up now, nice and high. Awesome. God bless you right there, right there, right there. Yes, on to my left, right down the back. I see you there, ma'am, over there. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me? That's me. Awesome. I see you on the top there. Incredible. Anyone else saying, Steve, count me in. Count me in. That's me. That's me. 
Awesome. Yes, yes. Yes, I see you. I see you guys right there. Awesome. Anyone else just saying, Steve, that's me. Great. Down the back. You're awesome. You can put your hands down now if you put your hand up. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this house. Lord, I pray your blessing on all of those who've responded. We thank you that new life has truly come to people in this room today. I bless them mightily in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, church, you better put your hands together.